The allegation and the investigation, a classroom controversy extending far beyond the halls and walls of this Toronto school. Why accusations of discrimination against a young student are starting conversations in more than just one household tonight. Good evening. It's a story you saw first right here. And 24 hours later, the response is robust. Claims a six-year-old boy was isolated in a small room. His family saying racism is a factor. Three people now on home assignment as other families at that school share their experiences. It's a case that has everyone talking. CTV's Natalie Johnson continues our coverage tonight. Natalie. Well, Nathan, many parents in the school community are quite upset tonight about these very serious allegations. More than 35 parents of students in the boys' grade one class have now signed a petition calling for a fair and quick investigation into what happened here. This is inhumane treatment to lock a six-year-old in a room like this. A day after it was publicly alleged that a six-year-old boy was locked in this small room at school, the Parents of Black Children Advocacy Group is alleging that another child at the same school, a four-year-old girl, was also victimized. The new mom that came forward, her daughter told her that when they locked her in the room, they shut, they shut the light off. Like, how scary is that? The group had not yet reported the allegation to the school board. But the TDSB revealed yesterday that the principal, vice principal and a teacher at John Fisher Public School had been placed on home assignment during an investigation into a mother's allegations of systemic anti-black racism in the school, including the child's report that he had been locked in this small room for 30 minutes while office staff tended to an injured child. When I go to pick him up, I'm like, so how was your day? We are getting into a conversation. We're getting to that. I say, oh, you won't believe Jen. Jen is the principal. Jen locked me in a room. I say, you're lying. The school community was notified of a temporary change in the school's administration team. And parents launched a petition in support of the teacher, calling him an extremely dedicated, attentive and caring teacher who has worked hard to create a safe learning environment for all of our children. We do believe that the teacher is a wonderful teacher who has never showed any kind of discriminatory bias towards the black, other black children in the class, but also the other racialized children in the class. And the teacher himself is a racialized gentleman. Another parent of a child in the class telling CTV News, we hope that there is a fair and speedy investigation, as all the parents I have spoken to would like to see him back in the classroom as soon as possible. This is inhumane treatment. The child's mother says she has an audio recording of the room incident since she sent her son to school with a hidden recording device in his pants. It captured that incident of being confined. It's clear. But at this point, she is not releasing that recording. Now, as for this new allegation of a four-year-old girl allegedly being detained inside the school, the school board says it has not yet been formally made aware of that complaint, encouraging anyone with concerns to go to the school's acting principal, saying they take these kinds of accusations very seriously and will investigate. Reporting live, I'm Natalie Johnson. Back to you. Thank you, Natalie. And our online team is also tracking every development with this story at ctvnewstoronto.ca. And in just moments, the other big story Toronto families will want to hear tonight, the possibility of hundreds of job cuts within the TDSB, who's potentially affected, and the trickle-down effect on students. But first, coming face-to-face -face with serious injury, or even worse, not what you'd expect, minding your own business at a subway station. The Toronto man's confrontation caught on camera. What it shows is terrifying. CTV's Janice Golding is live with more on this. Janice. 
Hi, Michelle. Latrona Chef has become an online sensation, but not for his cooking. The 34-year-old posted a video of an altercation he was involved in on the TTC last week, and that video has gone viral. You're getting out of the subway. See what I mean? Get away from me, boy. Get out of here. I'm not a dog. You're seeing part of an altercation between Sonam Pansang and a man he says attacked him moments earlier. Somebody shoved me from the middle of the stairs. I had to run as fast as I can from the bottom 10 stairs, balance myself, and I look behind. He's standing in front of me. And he's just yelling a bunch of racial slur and, like, telling me to, like, aggressively, like, like, get out of this country. Around 9 p.m. February the 28th, Ponsan claims he was on his way home from Omogar, where he works as a chef, when a man shoved him on the stairs at Castle Frank and got aggressive. He's right in front of my face. Any, anywhere I move, he's just stepping in front of me. And... Ponsang says he was trying to avoid a fight, given all he'd heard about violent incidents on the TTC lately, and because he didn't know if the man was armed. He saw my tattoo, and he grabbed my hand, and he tried to, like, took a lighter out of his backpack and like try to like torch it aggressively. At that point, Ponsang says he'd had enough. The 34-year-old fought back and kicked the man who he says took off down the platform. Get away from me, boy. Get out of here. I'm not a dog. I stood my ground and I, and I yelled back at him and I told him like, you have to step out of the subway station right now. Like, you know, I don't care. Like, you know, I didn't want him, him to prey on another victim. Ponsang says he followed the man, but his alleged assailant ended up getting on a passing subway train right before the doors closed. So the Toronto chef took his story to TikTok. Because, like, I want people to know who, who the culprit is. Since his post went up five days ago, it's gone viral with more than 100,000 views. Several people commenting they've had experiences with the same man. One person writing, I saw this guy with a lighter in University Ave. He approached my friend and playing with his lighter near him. I saw him at Finch Station at 6 a.m. He was threatening randoms as they were going to work. I was well away, but he was super loud. You know, one of the challenges that we face in terms of repeat offenders on the TTC is that we don't have the ability to actually ban people. The courts have to do that. Now, we do have a court advocacy program, so we will go into courts and we'll advocate uh, for, you know, stiffer sentences for people who assault transit workers or who commit crime on public transit. But TTC spokesperson Stuart Green says people have to report crimes like this to both the TTC and police because they they can't fix what they don't know about. And that's something Ponsang admits he did not do. He probably saw an Asian guy, probably thought nothing's going to happen, just going to f*** him up and, like, you know, yell a bunch of racial slur. But, bro, I was cut from a different cloth, you know what I mean? Ponsang says, however, he hopes his alleged assailant learned something from their run-in. Uh, hopefully he won't do it again. Like, you know, he will think twice before, like, approaching to any vulnerable people. The TTC says it circulates pictures of banned people to staff, and those images can also be found in collector's booths, so they can report banned people to uh, the authorities. Meanwhile, as for customers, Stuart Green says people should be reporting such incidents as soon as they can because the uh, video is erased after 72 hours. Reporting live, I'm Janice Golding. Now back to Nathan. All right. Thank you, Janice. Just ahead, the rising problems patients are facing navigating a health care system under strain. The growing list of complaints many of you might be able to relate to. Next to some more video you have to see to believe a violent robbery at a store in Scarborough. The owner and her daughter understandably shaken by the experience. Our Allison Hurst is live with more. Allison. Michelle, we spoke with them and they are both still rattled from this incident. They say that the store has been there for 20 years, but this was a first. 
Watch as two shoppers enter the beauty store around 6.40 on Wednesday. They head to the back, but one returns with a few items to the till. And I saw she put the hair inside and you want to put the other one. Abina Antwi says she saw one of the girls putting wigs in her bag. She yelled, hey, and that's when she says she was attacked, hit in the face multiple times before the girls left. And those two, two girls, grabbed me and he hit me and he put the bag on me and I, I leave them and she ran. Toronto police are investigating, confirming a wig was stolen and the two women are believed to be in their 20s. It's around, around, it's more than, more than 1,005. Antwi has owned the store for 20 years, but since January, this is the second time they say their store has been robbed. Makes me feel helpless in a way that I, I should have been here to stop this from happening. I should have been here to protect my mom, but how do you even foresee something like this happening? Since the robbery, they are closing the store an hour earlier. Right now, I'm trying to figure out what changes I can make to ensure that we, we are all safe when we do come to work. Worried it could happen again. And in our interview, the owner did tell us that she has seen those two girls in her store before. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Allison. Let's take a look outside on this Tuesday evening. What a beautiful sunset. Lovely shade of orange over the city skyline right now. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay. Yeah, Nathan, those days continue to get a little bit longer, and we really notice it on a clear sky day like we've had today. High pressure at play, a little bit of light snow in eastern Ontario, and some cloud cover there, too, but not a concern for us today. We had brilliant sunshine. It was deceiving, though. It was windy out there, and with winds coming out of the northwest gusting upwards of 50 kilometers per hour, it felt a little bit chilly. Our current temperature is one degree in Toronto, but notice how the wind chill is minus six and through the overnight hours tonight it is going to feel into the minus double digits so bundle up before you head outside we'll talk about the temperature trend over the next seven days coming up and give you an idea of when the next round of active weather is going to roll in for now though nathan i'll send it back to you all right thank you lindsay it's no surprise ontario's healthcare system is feeling it right now so it probably won't also come as a shock that patient complaints are on the rise. But with a sector under so much strain, what are the solutions? CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris has more. Patients and caregivers showing up to Ontario hospitals are increasingly finding the bedside manner of the medical staff leaves something to be desired. They're logging their concerns with the province's patient ombudsman. Complaints like uh, a lack of courtesy, respect or compassion. In his annual report, the patient ombudsman says that category of complaint jumped by 43% last year. Which to us uh, sort of signals that there is, the system is under strain and people um, typically in, in, in better times we wouldn't see these kinds of complaints. Strain from an ongoing staff shortage, which leads to other problems. Thompson also flags a rise in complaints about negative experiences with hospital security, poor planning around being discharged from hospital to long-term care, long wait times, especially in the ER, and poor communication. It's the nature of, of a system that has been asked a, a, a lot of it um, without 
the capacity, without the resources, without the people to be able to do it the way that they want to do the job. Pressures he doesn't see going away anytime soon. Take a little bit of patience and have a little bit of compassion. When you are, you are that individual waiting in the emergency department, make sure that you understand these are challenging times and healthcare workers are doing the best they can. The opposition says that response misses the whole point. This is a government that is showing absolute disrespect to our health care workers. In fact, they are taking them to court. Fighting a ruling that found legislation capping public sector wage increases at 1% a year unconstitutional. Let's just negotiate fair wages, fair benefits, better working conditions for nurses and frontline health care workers because that directly impacts patient care. Next year's report by the patient ombudsman will include the private clinics being tasked with helping to clear the surgical backlog. Thompson is glad to have this extra layer of accountability, but is isn't sure yet how his office will handle the extra workload. Siobhan Morris, CTV News. It was touted as a historic bust, a massive haul of illegal drugs off the streets. The case moving to the courts, but now it's stalled. So what happened? CTV's Austin Delaney is live with more. Austin. Well, it was at the time the biggest international drug bust in Toronto police history. Tonight, that drug bust has gone bust itself. Codename Project Brissa, this multi-million dollar drug bust was introduced with great fanfare in June of 2021. The results of this investigation are unprecedented and include the seizure of over 1,000 kilograms of illicit drugs. So many drugs and vehicles seized, the Toronto Police News Conference had to be held outdoors. This was epic. Drugs seized and potential harm caused has never been seen before in the history of our service. Tractor trailers alleged to have been used to ship drugs from Mexico to Vancouver, then onto the Toronto market. X-ray proof compartments to elude border searches. 182 charges, half a ton of cocaine, marijuana, opioids, a million dollars in cash. 22 suspects arrested. And then yesterday in court, the Crown's case against them collapsed. All 22 accused, now free to go. Everybody is. Uh completely at their liberty at this point. Their bails have concluded, uh, some very stiff bails. What happened? Public Prosecution Service of Canada said only this when asked for a comment. The PPSC can confirm that the charges have been stayed. No reasons for the stay were provided to the court in this case. Defence lawyer Greg LaFontaine represents one of the accused and explains the Crown's demise this way. They couldn't do it in a timely fashion at the same time as they're concerned about the way some of the evidence was coming out that um, was tending to bring uh, various police techniques and uh, um, sources of information uh, um, into play, potentially. The prosecution could not risk that information becoming public. And as you can imagine, a case like this costs thousands upon thousands of dollars from the investigation here at police headquarters to the Crown's office. Toronto Police offering no comment tonight. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. All right. Thank you, Austin. There are potential job losses that could have a very real impact on Toronto schools and students. Hundreds of positions at risk of being eliminated as soon as next year. CTV Sean Lethal reports. As the school day ends, parents are learning that there may be fewer support staff at their school next year. We should be having these support staff, you know, helping our kids and not uh, being let go. I think pandemic or not, like, it's not a good idea to lay off more staff. Last night, the Toronto District School Board presented as part of the budget process a potential cutback of 485.5 jobs. 
The factors leading to the potential layoffs, they say, are the elimination of ministry COVID-19 funding totaling $35 million, $70.1 million in pandemic-related costs that were taken from reserves, and a TDSB deficit of $61 million. This was really additional funding um, for, for learning recovery, mental health, that boards really need and still need <laughs> in order to meet the extraordinary needs of coming out of the pandemic. The TDSB says the potential job losses would be comprised of school support staff that were hired during the pandemic. This comes just months after education workers went on strike in Ontario. Local QP 4400 president John Weatherup says funding needs to stay in order to help children who have had their schooling disrupted by the pandemic. If they thought of children like they think of uh, building in the green belt, our children would be a lot better off if they just put the funding back in the school boards. Despite the number of possible job losses, the TDSB says they don't yet know how much money the ministry will provide for next year. In a statement, the Ministry of Education said they've been funding schools at the highest level in their history, pointing to the hiring of 7,000 additional education workers to support students and saying, we provided $3 billion to the TDSB this year alone and look forward to increased investments where students need it the most, focused on reading and math skills. But they did not provide details for next year's funding. We can't make the really big decisions about the funding for next school year. Until we, until we have that information in front of us. The TDSB has until June 30th to present a balanced budget. Sean Leithong, CTV News. In Ottawa, reacting tonight to the Prime Minister's plan to appoint a rapporteur to investigate foreign interference. The official opposition says don't expect whoever is chosen to be impartial. Why do we need a special rapporteur? What does this rapporteur even do? It sounds like a fake job. We need someone who actually has a real work plan. And what we said is we need an independent and open investigation headed by someone approved by all parties in the House of Commons, not another liberal establishment Ottawa insider. The Conservatives, the NDP and the Bloc Québécois all continue to call on Justin Trudeau to launch a public inquiry. They say an independent, transparent investigation is needed into China's attempts to interfere in the 2019 and 2021 elections. She did not say how many were found or what they were doing there, but the defense minister indicated today that monitoring buoys were recovered in the Canadian Arctic last fall. The buoys in Canadian waters were interdicted and retrieved because of operational security reasons and in an effort not to provide an adversarial advantage. I will say no more. Anita Anand appeared today before a parliamentary briefing on that Chinese spy balloon that flew across Canada before being shot down. She was also asked about three other objects taken down over Yukon and Lake Huron. Anand says they weren't affiliated with a foreign country. Canada's providing more support for Ukraine, sending medical trainers and extending a separate training mission. The announcement was made as the Prime Minister welcomed the President of the European Commission to Kingston today. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver reports. Promoted as a visit to strengthen transatlantic ties at a time when democracy is being tested, the EU Commission President and the Prime Minister walked in lockstep as they inspected troops at CFB Kingston. Before entering a private bilateral meeting focused on energy, climate change and the war in Ukraine. 
As part of the joint discussions, Canada revealed it's extending its engineering training mission until October, deploying seven medical trainers to Poland, shipping electrical transformers to help repair the damaged grid, and providing $3 million to help demining efforts. We will stand shoulder to shoulder together with our European partners for Ukraine. The war has put immense pressure on Europe to reduce its reliance on Russian oil and gas. And the European Union is looking to Canada to fill part of that gap. We do not have the necessary infrastructure um, to link Canada directly with the European Union. But the increased production of LNG here in Canada helped the global market to supply enough LNG to those who needed it. But the EU is viewing that industry as an interim source before shifting to more renewable resources. And today, Canada signed a pact with the EU to export more hydrogen. We know that the uh, transformation of our energy mix towards uh, lower carbon and renewables uh, is going to be essential, which is why Canada can position itself to be a supplier, a reliable supplier of energy in a net zero world. An energy partnership that could help bring Canada and the EU even closer together. Will they strengthen more? And the answer should be yes. Because in this world where uh, all the blocks are moving in different directions, the countries that are natural allies on a number of these issues uh, will be gravitating more towards one another. Tomorrow, the EU Commission president will meet with Governor General Mary Simon before departing for the U.S. to meet with U.S. President Joe Biden. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, CFB Kingston. Meanwhile, von der Leyen has just arrived on Parliament Hill, where she will soon address the House of Commons. The European Commission president is expected to cover a range of issues during her speech this evening. It will include Europe's close ties with Canada and our shared goals on clean energy. Tomorrow, she'll meet with Governor General Mary Simon. In France, nationwide strikes against a planned pension reform could go on for days. There were some clashes in Paris today as many rallies across the country attracted bigger crowds than previous protests. The demonstrations are expected to spill into tomorrow as unions step up their campaign. And it could go beyond that with rolling strikes, at least in some sectors. The government is hoping a plan to raise the retirement age by two years to 64 will be adopted by Parliament by the end of the month. Japan's new medium-lift rocket had to be destroyed today moments after liftoff. Everything went well during the launch as the rocket soared into the sky, carrying an observation satellite and an infrared missile sensor. But the second stage engine did not ignite as planned. So the rocket was destroyed because it had become unsafe. It's a blow to Japanese efforts to cut the cost of accessing space and competing against SpaceX. Meanwhile, could this pave the way for a new era of space exploration? It is the world's first 3D-printed rocket set for launch at Cape Canaveral this week. The craft was made by the largest metal 3D printer ever built, and manufacturer Relativity Space says it was designed in-house from a blank piece of paper. Capable of lifting 2,000 kilograms, the rocket is the largest 3D-printed object in the world. From space travel to getting back around here on Earth and the new transit route set to uproot thousands of trees in the Don Valley. Just the latest location where advocates are digging in in the debate between construction and conservation. CTV's Mike Walker reports. 
Thousands of trees along the Don Valley are slated to be axed for construction of the Ontario subway line, a decision not sitting well with people who live nearby and use the trails. We need green space. We want to increase our tree canopy and we're going the wrong way. It's give and take. We got to find a balance. Metrolink's plans to chop down nearly 2,800 trees in three sections, which it says is necessary for the new elevated guideway for the subway to the future Thorncliff Park and Flemington Park stations. The Ontario line has to go here, but maybe we can minimize the impact. Floyd Ruskin is with the environmental group A Park for All. He argues the community wasn't properly consulted. There's two nests and just this one tree. And the impact will be destructive to the ecosystem. We would like to see uh, independent arborists or independent regeneration experts. Let's have some open consultation and maybe we can minimize the impact of, of, of building transit. If it's it, not 2,800 trees, maybe we get it down to 2,000 trees. This comes just weeks after the courts ruled in Metrolink's favor, allowing the removal of 11 trees at Osgood Hall for a future subway station there, despite legal challenges. In the Don Valley, the city says it has issued permits for tree removal, and Metrolinx is expected to restore impacted areas to a naturalized condition, which includes replanting. But critics argue the transit agency hasn't been transparent. They have a very bad track record for community consultation, for explaining things well, for justifying what they're doing. Revisit. See what it is you really need to do. Metrolink says approximately 700 of the trees set to be removed are invasive or disease prone. And its practice is to plant three trees for every tree removed. We just don't know what we're going to get. I think the more pressure that can be brought to bear on extensive remediation, compensation and so on, the better. Environmentalists argue there is still time to reassess. The construction won't start till late 2024 to late 2025. More than enough time for uh, consultation. But it may be too late. Metrolink says the tree removal could start as early as Friday. Mike Walker, CTV News. The countdown is on to March break, but how do you keep the kids busy all that time without breaking the bank? Later tonight, affordable options that will make for a memorable staycation. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, the ban on door-to-door -door sales in Ontario is now five years old. But as we told you last night, many people continue to have problems. Many have liens on their homes they didn't know about. We go to Queen's Park to find out what's being done. I'll have that story just ahead. Mainly clear skies tonight means we will be able to enjoy the worm moon. It is the last full moon of winter, also known as the eagle moon or the sugar moon. Hey, speaking of sugar, March is maple syrup season and the ideal temperature to get the sap flowing is minus 5 degrees at night and plus 5 during the day. We'll take a look at our 7-day temperature trend coming up and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. The ban on door-to-door -door sales in Ontario is now five years old, but as we told you last night, many homeowners continue to have issues with expensive rental contracts. The Ontario government says it's now conducting a review to see if changes are needed to strengthen the Consumer Protection Act. Pat Foran has more on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Michelle and Nathan. The government says it's aware of bad actors when it comes to door-to-door -door sales. The minister in charge says there is a review underway related to liens being placed on homes to see if consumers should have more protections. 
CTV News has done many stories with viewers who felt misled by sales staff into signing long-term expensive contracts, which helped lead to the creation of Ontario's door-to-door sales ban. But five years later, many homeowners are still having problems. Kara Santoki rents a water heater and air conditioner and was shocked to find a $17,000 lien on her home. I was devastated, actually, to think that, that there's a lien on my property. It's way too easy to put a lien on someone's home in this province. Dennis Crawford is a lawyer with HVAC Scam, which tries to help consumers remove liens from their home. He says companies have found ways around the door-to-door ban by selling items not on the list or by making appointments. They aren't going door-to-door. They've just switched their marketing efforts to the web and the phones. We went to Queen's Park to ask Minister of Public and Business Service Delivery, Khalid Rashid, why door-to-door complaints continue despite the ban. I've always said this many, many times that bad actors, unfortunately, is unacceptable behavior from such individuals or companies. Rashid says this month his ministry began a review of the Consumer Protection Act and said it's also looking at the issue of liens being placed on homes. Crawford estimates there could be tens of thousands of liens on homes in Ontario related to rental equipment, which he feels should not be allowed. What the government should do is they should revoke these liens uh, and take them off the books. If you have rental equipment in your home, chances are you have a lien on your property. You can find out for sure by checking with Service Ontario and Onland for a fee of about $35. And the government says if someone has entered into a contract through misrepresentation, they have the right to terminate the deal, seek a refund and removal of the items. Anyone breaking the door-to-door ban could face a $50,000 fine. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. No doubt people everywhere around the city were reveling in the sunshine today. It was gorgeous, and there's a bit more to come this week. Yeah, it does make a big difference when you've got sunshine. There was mm-hmm. a bit of wind, though, that cooled things down a little bit, but otherwise it was pretty good. Yeah, here's the thing. It looked like spring when you looked out the window, but then when you stepped outside, you were reminded, oh, of course, it is still winter. A little bit chilly out there today. And gusty winds that normally start to subside as we make our way into the nighttime hours are going to continue to be quite breezy out there right through the overnight hours and into tomorrow. We will see them start to ease by tomorrow afternoon. There's more in the way of sun in store and then a little bit of active weather by the time we reach the end of the week. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. It's very much still feeling like winter in northern parts of Ontario, but across the south and particularly in the southwest, temperatures are a little more comfortable. Our average daytime high is now about three degrees at this point in the month of March. And as you'll notice over the next couple of days, we are there or slightly below uh, throughout this next upcoming week. Uh, Strong wind gusts, as mentioned, persisting into the nighttime hours tonight. You'll notice uh, some of the calmer winds start to creep in by the time we reach about this point tomorrow. So that's the good news. Those winds continuing to come out of the north, which is going to continue, uh, contribute to a wind chill factor. Tomorrow's high, two degrees. Once again, feeling below freezing though. 
As for what's in store during the daytime hours, a mix of sun and cloud. We will see more sun. It is possible that we'll likely also see more in the way of cloud. We had a beautiful clear sky day today. Great opportunity to lace up some skates and enjoy because conditions will change a little bit as the week goes on. Now, we have high pressure at play, but we've also got a retrograding low. Couple that with some active weather to our west, and we have a bit of a pressure gradient, and that's what's contributing to those very gusty winds. Some of the cloud is going to retrograde further and uh, bring us that mix of sun and cloud for tomorrow. Here's the forecast radar. We'll set that in motion just to show you what's in store. Waking up tomorrow morning, mix of sun and cloud continuing into the afternoon. Thursday, it's likely we're going to see even more more cloud cover at times. There will be some nice sunny periods, but cloud starts to also approach from the southwest thanks to an incoming system. And this is the one that could bring us uh, another round of snow into Friday night. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is nothing like what we had last Friday. In fact, at this point, it's looking like maybe two to five centimeters of fresh snow. Flurries will follow us into the day on Saturday. Sunday's looking pretty good, mix of sun and cloud. Just a heads up, too, though, that perhaps Sunday night and into Monday, another round of light snow in the forecast perhaps just a couple of uh, centimeters. And there's that temperature trend, even with the temperatures seasonal or slightly below. A reminder that we spring forward this weekend. That's your look at the forecast. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Lindsay. Also tonight, a flood of musicals set to hit the stage in Toronto as Murbridge unveils this new season. A lineup that includes a Disney classic, a theater staple, and one of the best-selling albums of all time. It's intended to help patients and their loved ones navigate some of the most challenging of circumstances. Palliative care prioritizing quality of life for those facing serious health struggles. Here's CTV's Pauline Chan. These are photos of Kim Begg on a family trip to Disney. A wonderful experience daughter Kim Begg says wouldn't have been possible without palliative care. I thought it was like the last week of someone's life. I didn't know that they would be journeying with us and that they would be so focused on quality of life. For the Begg family, it was about making sure Elaine, who had pancreatic cancer, could enjoy her time as much as possible. She even put together an heirloom cookbook with Kim before passing away last November. But for Bonnie Levy, palliative care is support while she fights metastatic breast cancer. I live at home with my husband, and that's the part about palliative care is there's a misconception that palliative care is when you're about to die. Palliative care is about the living. But without it, that life would look really, really staid, and I, I don't think I'd be as healthy. The Canadian Cancer Society recently put out a series of videos explaining the role palliative care can play for those bad. facing serious and illness. People with cancer are three times more likely than other serious illnesses to get access to um, palliative care. But even then, uh, based on the data we have, only about half of cancer patients are actually accessing palliative care. The Cancer Society says rural, indigenous and unhoused populations often can't access palliative care. And they're asking Canadians to write the government to demand equity. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Mervish Productions is releasing its new theater subscription season, and for the first time, all of the shows are musicals. But don't be fooled. Just because there are no plays, it doesn't mean you won't find a variety of meaning in their offerings. CTV's Andrea Case joins us with a look now on what we'll see on Toronto stages this fall. Michelle and Nathan, good evening. Absolutely. Well, I love musicals, but my first thought was seven musicals? That's a lot. But new or old, Mervish Productions promises not one is like the other.
everybody sings! It is a show Toronto audiences think they have seen before. Disney's Aladdin premiered here and moved on to Broadway. That was 10 years ago. These shows develop over time, and that Aladdin played here, and then they took a couple of months to change things, what they learned from Toronto and the Toronto audiences, and then they applied them into the, the Broadway production. The same could be said for the revised production of Le Miserable, a tried-and-true blockbuster it too opened pre-Broadway a decade ago. From France to England and the six wives of Henry VIII. Divorce, beheaded, survive. The Tony Award-winning show is called Six. What started as an Edinburgh Fringe Festival show went on to worldwide success. It's great to have it here with the Canadian cast and play the Royal Alex. So if you think you have what it takes, keep an eye out for the casting call. Other women taking center stage. The tumultuous life of Tina Turner and her music are the story of Tina, the Tina Turner musical. And Canada's own Alanis Morissette's seminal album, Jagged Little Pill, and the hits which made it a 33 million copy seller, set the story in the Tony Award-winning musical of the same name. It's filled with drive and energy, and uh, just like that music has a drive and energy, and it's in your face, and it's not afraid to deal with uh, tough topics. From one musician to another. Henry. In Dreams, the music of Roy Orbison is not a biography. His hits are used in the story of a former lead singer of a country rock band who invites her old bandmates to join her for the party of a lifetime while keeping her true motivations a secret. And for Christmas, Mervish offers the lavish song and dance explosion called 42nd Street. The last time it played in Toronto was 40 years ago. I did it. Seven shows in two minutes. Charismata says they are as meaty as dramas, and you can explore as many interesting themes and musicals as you can in place. Now, no one form is more important than the other. Now, for the 2023-24 season, uh, get ready to leave the theatre with a song in your heart and your head. Reporting live, I'm Andrea Case. Have a good night. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Well, hi, Michelle and Nathan. Tomorrow is International Women's Day, and we'll speak to one of the women behind After Me Too, a new Canadian online resource to support women sexually harassed at work. And in this week's Wellness Wednesday segment with Dr. Elaine Chin, we'll talk about navigating menopause and the impact on women's lives. That's on CB24 Breakfast, up first at 5 a.m. It felt and it looks like imprisonment, solitary confinement, and it's cruel and unusual punishment. Updating our top stories a day after allegations that a six-year-old boy was locked in a small room at a Toronto school, new claims have been made that a four-year-old girl was also victimized. The TDSB says the principal, vice principal, and a teacher at John Fisher Public School have all been placed on home assignment amid an investigation. I just wanted to ignore him and I make my way down, he's like, right in front of my face, like aggressive, super aggressive, right in front of my face. A Toronto chef claims someone tried to set him on fire at Castle Frank subway station. Sonam Ponsang, a chef at Momo Shah restaurant at Parliament in Wellesley says, a man shoved him before grabbing his arm and pulling out a lighter. He posted video of the incident on TikTok, but says he did not file an incident report with the TTC. 
Complaints like uh, a lack of courtesy, respect, or compassion are finding their way into our, into our um, complaints. A new report from Ontario's patient ombudsman is highlighting the strain on patients, caregivers, and healthcare providers in Ontario. The report found a 43% increase compared to the previous fiscal year in the number of patients and caregivers who said they were treated with a lack of sensitivity. On the markets, the Canadian dollar fell 71 points to 72.72 U.S. American benchmark oil slid 288 to 77.58 a barrel. And the TSX Composite Index lost 239 points to close at 20,275. It's easily the biggest financial commitment many of us will ever make. And for some, it's also the riskiest. We're talking about buying a home and specifically the kind of mortgage you opt for. Turns out more people might be going private than you might imagine. And there are now fears that decision could ultimately have a very public impact. Here's CTV's Beth McDonnell. I just hope that he could help me. When Pamela Brown's mother moved out of their Scarborough condo and into a nursing home, she couldn't pay the maintenance fees anymore. Facing eviction, Brown took out a private mortgage. I called him and immediately I said, yep, this is the person that's going to help me. And he has. A recent report shows the dollar value of private mortgages in Ontario by licensed brokers increased from $13 billion in 2019 to more than $22 billion in 2021, a 72% jump. Ronald Alfonso is the private lender who funded Brown. He says the rise of people going outside banks is causing problems. A, because many lenders no longer have funding, and B, with property values falling, people are having trouble qualifying for any mortgage. Over the winter, he's seen a 200% increase in inquiries. The majority, he says, either missed a payment or are about to, and believes a wave of mortgage defaults are coming. There's just such a build-up, backlog from COVID. All the uh, law firms are starting to process them now. The banks are putting them through now. It takes a while for this to get through the system, but when it does hit, it will come as a tidal wave all at once. The question is, can the system adequately handle that many powers of sales at once? During the pandemic, many paid more for real estate and didn't see the higher interest rates coming. Alfonso points out someone with a $1 million mortgage paying 6.5% interest will have to pay $65,000 a year. So it's not surprising people are struggling to pay. It's going to be a pricier mortgage reality. BNN's John Ehrlichman warns with private lenders, people often pay higher fees, which doesn't help with affordability. He says if people continue to struggle, it raises concerns around defaulting, a situation that hasn't played out in Canada like it did during the 2008 financial crisis in the U.S. We have a very different market here, uh, and a market that in many ways protects homeowners in different ways. But if you've got more people going to an alternative market and they're already having to pay higher interest rates, you have to wonder how long people can hang on before they find themselves in a really financially challenged position. His advice, be aware of fees, what you're able to afford, and always read the fine print. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. He should be back for the playoffs, but the Toronto Maple Leafs will be without Ryan O'Reilly for a month. The forward underwent surgery today to stabilize a fractured index finger on his left hand. It was hit by the puck in Saturday's game against Vancouver. O'Reilly was placed on long-term injured reserve today. Meanwhile, John Tavares won't play tonight in New Jersey. 
The captain is out with an unspecified illness, but will return Saturday against the Oilers. Just ahead, expert insight into planning a budget-conscious March break. Things to do with the kids right here at home that won't cost you high season prices. It's another indication spring is right around the corner, although it's not like most families need the reminder. March break is nearly here. Kids are counting the days, but many parents counting the pennies, making the most of that precious time off while watching the wallet. Here's CTV's John Musselman. With March break on our doorstep, parents looking for inexpensive things to do with their kids can check out all kinds of activities. A great start is the Sugarbush Maple Syrup Festival at the Courtright Conservation Center in Vaughan. Oh, it's a great opportunity to come outside, um, get to see the process of making maple syrup, spend some time outdoors with your family, um, and it's just a great experience, a, a Canadian experience. Families can spend an entire day here at a reasonable cost. So the ticket price is per person, uh, so it is $9.55 per adult, $6.20 per child or senior, and children four and under are free. In the City of Toronto, officials say... Families have all kinds of options to enjoy time together, and many of those activities are free. Skating at a local rink, including the rink at Nathan Phillips Square, or swimming at city indoor pools. Eric Holmes is with the City of Toronto. He says affordable options are a priority. It's important to have uh, an access point. You know, families, uh, they, they carry a, a burden, right? Financial experts say inflation has prompted many people to skip the beach holiday this year and stay closer to home. Well, he says others are going no matter what the audit cost. Inflation definitely has affected a lot of people. Obviously, the cost of living has gone up, not just for groceries, but we're also seeing hotel prices, airfare. So when you're looking at a family of four, those increased costs, it might deter you from traveling this summer or this March break. If you are staying close to home, options also include visiting Riverdale Farm or the High Park Zoo. There's skiing and snowboarding at Earl Bales Park in North York. Museums, libraries and historical sites like Fort York will also be offering activities. Uh, Toronto.ca slash rec is a great start. Uh, you know, it, but depending on your activity, there are some other some other uh, pages all on Toronto.ca that help you, you know, understand when the skating rinks are open, when when the leisure times are available for pools. While not free, these attractions are popular with families. Places like the CN Tower, Ripley's Aquarium, the Science Centre and the Toronto Zoo. All will be welcoming families during March break. John Musselman, CTV News. Hopefully we get good weather for March break. How are things looking tonight? Well, believe it or not, we can see the first couple of days of March break in our seven-day forecast. Tonight is looking pretty good. Uh, overall, the next seven days are going to be calm weather-wise. We do have some active weather into the early part of the weekend. Let's take one more look at that seven-day forecast to show you what's in store. There's Monday and Tuesday, maybe a chance of some light snow or some flurries. That would bode well, I think, for some of those March break activities. So go ahead and start planning, families. Nathan and Michelle. All right, thanks, mm -hmm. Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.